Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Crucial Conversations. I'm Peter. I'm Kevin. And we're going to continue our conversation. I don't know if it's crucial or not. Well, hopefully it'll it'll be crucial, but we've had two great episodes in in my personal opinion. <laughs> Am I allowed to call any As of our episodes great? Personal opinion. Well, well, my opinion. I, I just don't know if I'm allowed to call any of our episodes great because they're ours. So there's a certain amount of hubris in that that I should probably avoid. So, anyways, I have enjoyed our last two conversations about the Athanasian Creed and using the Creed as a hermeneutic, as a tool to help us understand what Scripture teaches, to rightly understand it, and to guide us in that sense. Um, but but Kevin, one of the questions that we've gotten, um, I've gotten it in personal conversations. I know you've probably encountered this, this question as well. I know I have in other scenarios, but this, this whole, look, all this is nice and you're, you're teaching lots of big things and high fluting concepts, but now I'm scared of talking about my faith because I might say something wrong or I'm scared of evangelism and talking to somebody who's not a Christian about my faith because, well, okay, if I'm talking to you guys, I'm scared of saying something wrong because you'll just laugh at me or whatever and correct me. And I don't like that. But if I'm talking to somebody who's not a Christian and trying to explain my faith and I say something wrong, well, I don't want to say something wrong to them because I don't want to lead them down the wrong path. Does that make sense? The questions as kind presented. Of. Kind of. So this this is the conundrum in which we can find ourselves not wanting to say anything for fear of saying something wrong. Two different scenarios, which I think are actually kind of the same scenario, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah, I think that's one aspect of the fear of witnessing or evangelism or whatever word you want to use to this outreach yeah, or whatever your church decides to call it. Um, just real inreach quick, is cool too. Inreach I've is heard, fun, I've heard that's with, also, but a that's thing. usually used negatively. Okay, gotcha. it's bad to reach in, which I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> but um, just before we get too far down the road, evangelism is just the fancy Greek word for good news. So mm. the evangel or evangel is simply Greek for good news. So when we say evangelism, what we mean is spreading the good news. Yeah. So witnessing is a word the New Testament uses to talk about when people share what Jesus has done, which is the content of the good news. <laughs> um, outreach is usually a word that means talking to people that aren't part of your church. Yeah, you're you're going out somewhere right. to, and it's to usually do this. Out from your church, out from your congregation. Sure. Um, but sometimes these words are all used as synonyms, and that's fine. Sometimes they're also used as cinnamon which is a different conversation. I don't think that's true, actually. Oh, I might have made that part up. Yeah, you definitely made that up. But um, So when you're talking about sharing your faith, evangelism, outreach, witness, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter what you call it. Just try it. (laughs) Um, it, There's a lot of fear. A lot of people are scared of this. A lot of people in this room are scared to do it. Well, both people in this room are generally scared to do it. Yeah, because it's a scary thing. (laughs) And... um, Let's just right off the bat say this. We'll just get out of the way. Uh, you are going to fail. Uh, now I'm more scared, Kevin. The whole world is actually against you. 
For some reason, that actually scares me less. You are presenting <laughs> a message that everybody hates. That also doesn't scare me as much. Yeah, and and it's good isn't, to recognize kind of weird, that. Isn't that? Isn't it weird? I mean, here's the thing: is we are often under the impression that if we do this correctly, people are like, oh, "I'm so glad you told me that. I've been dying for someone to tell me." <laughs> but that's not actually true. That the if we believe what we believe, and I prefer to believe what I believe, mm-hmm. we believe that. Everyone is born sinful and unclean and actually is born as an enemy of God. So when you walk up to them and say, hey, I'm going to tell you about the God that you don't like and the fact that you're wrong, that doesn't go over well. <laughs> well, I, I think the other side of that same coin is we think that if we tell them the right way, that we will convince them and they will believe. That's what I'm saying. But the point is, is that the, mess- the very message that you're trying to convey properly is the message that they don't want to hear. Right. And so a lot of people say, well, you know, you attract more flies with honey than you do vinegar, to which I'm saying I don't want to attract flies at all. (laughs) And we're not trying to attract flies. We're trying to awaken a corpse. Hmm. And one of the things that I like to review when we, when we talk about evangelism, when I teach on, on evangelism or when I even lead evangelism workshops, Ooh. Yeah, isn't that fun? <laughs> is to talk about the audience. Yeah. Which involves anthropology, something you know very much about. Ooh, I do know that you one. You do know that one. Yeah, that was my major in college. And uh, and <laughs> a biblical anthropology believes that every person in this world is born with sin. Sin. And is born spiritually dead. Dead. So you're not trying to attract people to this. That's not actually the goal. Right. The goal is to kill people. Wait, wait, but they're already dead. Yeah, see, that's the thing. <laughs> so so what actually happens in evangelism is you are speaking to them the word of God, and that word of God has effect. And we believe the word of God does two things, right? It kills, and it makes alive. Another way to say that in Lutheran parlance is law and, and gospel. gospel. Yeah. So when you speak to somebody who is not in Christ, every word you speak will be heard as law. Law. So even if you say, hey, God loves you, that's not good news to somebody who doesn't love God. That's not mm-hmm. good news to somebody who is an enemy of God and wants nothing to do with God. Right. That's not good news to somebody who doesn't want anything to do with the message you're trying to proclaim. So are you saying that a, only a Christian can hear the gospel only a christian will rejoice in hearing the gospel okay meaning they will hear it as gospel okay a non-christian will hear even the gospel as law yeah and i think a good example of this i don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast but i've asked this question before as i'm talking to my kids and teaching them to you know to distinguish between law and gospel is okay well what when i say jesus died for your sins is mm-hmm. that law or gospel? And the reality is it's actually both. You, mm-hmm. you can hear both in that. Exactly. You can hear the good news that Jesus paid for your sins, mm-hmm. and you can hear the law that you have sins that, that for which he had to die. You are so bad that God's son died yeah. because of you. There, there is law and That's gospel law. <laughs> in that statement that yeah. can be heard exactly. by that person at that time. So yeah. what we believe then is that the Spirit is the one who affects this. Yeah. Not only 
affects faith, but actually affects the way the words are heard. Mm-hmm. So we don't control that. We don't even walk up and say, I'm now intending to preach this to you. I'm now intending to proclaim this to you. No, we simply speak the words of our faith to people. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit, and, and this is from John 3, right? This The wind blows where it wishes, so it is with the Spirit. It kind of does what it wants. You don't control it. You just kind of see its effects. Well, that's what witnessing is about, is you are not called to convert somebody through your proficiency at presenting the gospel. Right. You just aren't. I, I think that's one of the concerns that we often have is in our desire to say it the right way or have the right answer to the questions or the best answer, and our focus on that, we walk into a conversation with our mind entirely focused on that. Right. I, I need to... So in the question about law and gospel, it turns into an academic exercise of, okay, how do I make sure I say the law to them? And then how do I make sure that I say the gospel next? Because they have to be crushed first before they can hear the gospel and be converted. Right. Which, well, okay, yes, the law crushes the gospel. The Holy Spirit uses the law to crush, and the Holy Spirit but, uses the gospel to bring life. But, but see, here's I'm the, trying to control it now. Yeah, here's the problem with I, you controlling it, because here's the narrative. You walk up and you say, Peter, uh, you need to stop uh, killing cockroaches because God is for life. And every time you kill a cockroach, you're a murderer, right? They're cockroaches. Yeah, well, whatever. I mean, that's a silly <laughs> example, obviously. But the point is, well, I walk like, up, I'm really going to be condemned by this particular law. Yeah. I lived in Texas for a while. But the problem is, you, you walk up to somebody, you can you <laughs> confront them with a sin that's in their life. Yeah. Right? You need to stop whatever. That's why I said killing cockroaches, because it's not actually a sin, and <laughs> I don't care what you do. The way I did it might have been, though. Might have been. Yeah. But, so then I say... Okay, so you're a sinner. Like, yeah, you're right. I'm kind of an awful person. And it's like, well, good news. God loves you. And they're like, yay. And they say, Jesus died for you, and he forgives your sins. And they're like, so do I have to stop killing cockroaches? They're like, well, you, well yeah. <laughs> so is that how I'm saved, to stop doing the thing that made me not saved? And you're like, no, it's really complicated. Because right. yeah. what happened, you see, uh, you see there's a vicarious, um, Jesus d- uh, God impute, uh, we're just guided by grace through faith. So it's not what you do. And they're going, but you just told me that what I'm doing is the problem. So now you're telling me the solution is not me. It's Jesus, but the problem is me. So how is the solution not me to the problem that is me? That doesn't make any sense. Right. Cause in the rest of my life, the solution is me fixing right. it. So you've just prevented the presented the problem that honestly has no solution. So, Here's the thing, and I know you guys all think I'm crazy this moment, but that's actually not, if you read the Bible, that's not how people go about this at all. Mm-hmm. What they actually do is proclaim the kingdom. Just talk about God and what he's done and let the spirit work that in law and gospel terms. Yeah. I mean, yes, when you're talking to a non-Christian, you're not going to talk to them about the fact that their sins are already forgiven. You're going to talk about sins and but you're but you really want to talk about what God has done about that, right? Let the spirit convict through that word. Um, I'm not saying you can't talk about sins. so <laughs> but but just be aware that when you walk in and the and the idea is you need to stop drinking, you know that that they're gonna think that salvation means I've stopped doing the thing that makes me bad. They don't understand yet the gospel. That's which, the whole point. You actually do hear that regularly. Yeah, before I was a Christian, I was a drunk. 
Now I'm a Christian. I'm not a drunk anymore. And you said, I, that makes no Where, sense. Where's Jesus? Right. Who cares? <laughs> I mean... I know lots of people who stop being drunks and aren't Christians. Right. And they, they did it without finding Jesus. Yeah. So we're missing something. Right. How does now, that happen? So here's the thing. So what happens is people are like, I want to go share my faith. I want to go spread the gospel. I want to be a witness. I want to do outreach. I'm, this is so cool. I'm, I want to go do this. Because it is good news. Because it is good news. And I do want to share it. And I believe it. Yeah. So it seems like it'd be good to share it. Yeah. Since the Bible seems to tell us that it's a good idea. <laughs> So here's what we're going to do today for the rest of our time. You already know the text. Yep. And that's the thing is we are going to walk through John 3.16 as a witnessing passage, but maybe not in the way you think. Yeah. (laughs) See, here's the thing. John 3.16 is pretty much cliche. I mean, if you go to a football game and they kick a field goal... Then up goes the banner. Can I use Banner Man as like the thumbnail art for this episode? Please do. Okay. And even the song if you want and to. So- <laughs> if Steve Taylor's okay with it. We'll we'll link to the song yeah, in the we'll description below. Because if you haven't heard it, it's just a lot it's of a fun. It's a good song. It's, and, it's good fun. And if you listen to Steve Taylor talk about the song, he goes, you know, there are a bunch of people out there trying to tell the world about Jesus. And we're all for that. So here's a song. And it's yeah. really just a fun song. Um, <laughs> but And I think the cliche part is important because... I think our our American culture is still at a point where the majority of people know what John 3.16 is. Even if they don't know it's John 3.16, they'll know when you start saying it, they'll probably know bits and pieces of it at least. Or so they'll know the reference and have no idea the words are. Right. They're, they'll know something. something. It's, they're not completely out of nowhere. Um, but there's all within Christian circles, it has become a cliche where like, uh why would I use that verse? I don't want to use that right. verse. And that's actually why we want to use it, because in the same way that the Athanasian Creed is so long that you want to forget it and never talk about it again, and yet look how amazing it is for actually understanding and talking about who Jesus is and what he's right. done. John 3.16 is so overdone. Can, mm-hmm. I, can I do air quotes on a you podcast? I'm doing it. air quotes. It's so overdone and so cliched that people are like, that's pointless. You can't use that verse. When the reality is, you can use it in the same way we went through the Athanasian Creed right. as, as a hermeneutical tool to help us understand what is this faith that we're confessing. Mm-hmm. And you and it's great because, like you said, almost everybody knows it. Yeah. They're, they're basically familiar with at least the words. Well, and, and just about every Christian can at least stumble their way through it as a memory verse. Right. So you don't have to like make up a weird verse and memorize it. You can actually just say what you already know. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, there you go. Whatever translation you want, it's going to basically say that. Right. So... One of the ways you can approach witnessing is to simply ask permission to share your faith. You can ask somebody, so do you believe in anything? Do you, do you have a faith? Are you spiritual? Are you religious? Do you attend church? Do you attend any kind of religious organization? And they can say no. Mm-hmm. They might say, no, I don't have time for that. I don't believe in a boogie monster or a spaghetti monster in the sky or whatever. Flying spaghetti monster. Flying spaghetti monster. Yeah. And that's fine. And you can say, that's great. I do. I actually do have religious beliefs. Well, do you or, mind if we talk about them? Or let's let's put it in a context where it'll most frequently come up. 
if you're somebody who travels and you're on an airplane yeah. and the guy sit next to you and right. somehow he says you, it comes up that well I work in a church or right. church body oh well, what do you believe yeah okay well, well John three sixteen actually works for that yeah and we have, we've <laughs> in the past we talked about using the Apostles Creed that works too uh-huh. right yep. but we're gonna today for the rest of our time we're gonna talk a little bit about how John three sixteen can be a very helpful witnessing verse even when they disagree and ask questions or yeah. especially even yeah when they disagree and yep. ask questions yeah so. What we want to say is, first of all, I would, I would encourage you all just to share the text. Say it slowly, which I'm not good at, <laughs> but just slow down and say it so because they might not actually know it as well as you do, even right. if they say they do. So it's very easy that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not die, however you want to say that word, mm-hmm. but have eternal life. There's a lot in that. Oh, yeah. So one of the things they might say is, well, you know, I believe in God. I believe in a higher power or a supreme being, or I believe in uh, that all religions are basically worshiping the same God, and, and they're just different paths to choose, so I'm cool with that. And I believe this God loves me. And I believe that there's a God that loves, and yeah. that makes sense. If there's a God, I'm sure he's loving and benevolent and those kind of wonderful things yeah. that we've all been taught because if we're going to have a god he might as well, might be, as well loving be loving and benevolent i mean that's how it's supposed to work and the funny thing is right away in john three 16 you're you're actually allowed the opportunity to explain what you mean by the word god and and don't skip this a lot of people just <laughs> move it's really funny but when you read the bible we often skip god yeah we just move right on <laughs> And it's like, no, don't don't move on. Let's actually talk about what we mean by God. Because part of your witnessing is that you are going to tell them very specifically about who God is and who he isn't. Yeah. And one of the things that John tells us in John 3.16 is who God is and who he isn't. And the first thing is that the God that you're talking about is the God who sent his son or gave his son. Yeah, he has a son. He has a son and he gave him. Yep. So if the other person is talking about a God who doesn't send his son, it's a different God. Or, we're, we're in, a, in a sense, remember the last couple episodes with the Athanasian Creed, one substance, three persons, don't divide the substance, don't confuse the persons. We're, we're doing the same thing mm-hmm. with this verse right here. Right. So this, this God had, had a son and sent him. Yeah, and that's that means that when they say, "Oh, so the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians all have the same God," you say, "No, right? No, <laughs> the God I'm talking about is the God who sent His Son, and His name is Jesus. Mm-hmm. The Son's name is Jesus, and He is the Son of God, right? Now, He's, does this this verse doesn't say Jesus though, does it? No. Okay, so we've we've made a little bit of a jump. Right. Which we want to be careful with. Well, except for <laughs> except or at least for, intentional in- see, this is the point is now we're gonna we're we're using this verse to explain to them scripture. Okay. And that's kind of what we're doing. We're saying these are easy words that we all know to help them explain a larger framework of what it means to be a Christian. So they say, well, why are you saying the son is Jesus? And you say, well, I believe in the Athanasian Creed. Mm-hmm. Right or or the Apostles' Creed. The apostles, I mean, so you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son. See, we believe the New Testament teaches that the Son of God, when it talks about God sending His Son, that's talking about Jesus. And, and in the Gospel of John, which this verse is from, that's explicitly true. Right? 
that Jesus is the Son of the Father. So when we talk about the Son and the Father, we're already a long ways down the road of trying to talk to this person about God. The next thing they might say is they say, well, I believe that, that God is love, but mm-hmm. when I look around my life, this doesn't look like a God who loves. Either he isn't really that loving or he's not very almighty because there's a lot going on in my life alone, let alone in the world. I just that, saw. I actually just saw this on a Facebook post of a friend of mine where this very question came up. If God is a loving God, well, here are these girls who are being captured, kidnapped, and sold into slavery. And, well, if your God cares about them emotionally, if he cares about mm-hmm. them spiritually, if he cares about them physically, mm-hmm. why, these are Christian girls who are being right. kidnapped because they're Christians and being sold into slavery. Where's your God? How is that loving? Yeah, and that's that's a really tough question, right? And it's yeah. very emotional, and it's very hard. And at that moment, you feel like you have to defend God. So the first thing I want to say is don't. Yeah. Don't defend God. He doesn't need your defense. All you can do at that moment is confess your faith. And that's exactly what this verse does, is say, God loves the world. What does that mean? It means he gave his only son. That is the love of God that you can teach, proclaim, and be confident in. I don't know how God handles every situation in the world or why he handles every situation in the world the way it works out. But I do know this, that in the sending of Jesus, God loves the world. Mm-hmm. And I don't tell him how to love. I simply confess that that love is his very son dying for the sins of the world to conquer the evil that you're seeing to conquer death that we all face. And you're right. It doesn't look like he's paying much attention or he's effectively getting rid of the evil. But here's the thing. In Christ, God says he is conquering evil, that he has conquered death, that he has conquered sin. Mm -hmm. And that action of God on our behalf is our hope. I can't answer for those girls. That breaks my heart. That's the worst thing in the world. You can say... Yes, this is horrible. Yes. This is awful. You don't want to... Minimize it. Minimize it, or try and, like you said, defend God and say, well, actually, it's a good thing. Right. Somehow, yeah. in, in the mystery no. of God's will, this is actually good. Like, no. No. You don't want to do that either. No. <laughs> and and there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, you're yeah. right. That That is just, in my eyes, evil. I can't think I don't of anything see how that works other either. than evil. It's just bad. Yeah. And And that's exactly why we cling to God's love and promises and we pray for these people and we take action when we can to stop evil in our world. Yeah. Um, because the death and resurrection of Jesus says that God is against evil. So we should be too. Yeah. Like stop doing evil and work to stop the evil that you see. That is actually part of this is that when we believe that, that Jesus is God's action to save mankind, which is what John three 16 teaches, That God so loved the world. How? That he gave his only son. That's the love of God, is the giving of his son. Mm -hmm. Then we learn to see all of life through that. That God loves this world so that, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, so that he gave his son, which means he wants to save this world. Yeah. This world is worth saving to God. And that is not just individual people's. That's actually the world. And it, it's an all encompassing. Yes. Statement. It's all encompassing. No, nothing is left out of that. It's everything. So the fallen creation mm-hmm. is what Jesus came to save. 
and this isn't just in John, this is actually pervasive in the New Testament, Right. is that, I mean, if you read the Gospel of Matthew and the way he talks about the crucifixion, the entire creation is freaking out. Yeah. I mean, rocks are splitting, earths are quaking. Darkness. Darkness when there's supposed to be daylight. All kinds of yep. stuff is going on. The whole creation is almost upside down, it seems. And that's the point, is this is the death and resurrection of Jesus as the very Son of God is a whole creation event. It affects the entire creation. And this is also true for the end times, right? Is that when Christ returns, it's a whole new ballgame. New heavens, new earth, recreated the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So right away, even in this first clause, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, we have talked a lot about who God is, what it means that he loves, and what he has done because he loves. And we haven't pulled out any additional books to help us. Right. We haven't pulled out an, any sort of uh, four spiritual evangelism laws that you nope. must follow in order to properly share your faith. Right. It's just John three sixteen right here. That's all we need. We've referenced the Athanasian Creed and the Apostles' and the Creed. Apostles Creed, but we've also but we've only referenced things that many of us will already know. Yeah, most of us know. Yeah. We say it in church. Yeah, if, you, if so, you're a Lutheran and say it in church with us. Yeah. <laughs> That's please. why I said if, many of us. And if I, you're not, please come join us. Yeah. We'd love to have you. Or um, at least learn the creeds. Yeah, at least learn the creeds. You know, they're great. And if you don't know what we're talking about the creeds, here's the thing. Just just Google search Luther Small Catechism. Mm -hmm. It's free. Google search Apostles' Creed. It's free. But if you if you down the reason I say Luther's small catechism is is you want to read Luther's writing on the Apostles' Creed because it will help you understand yeah. what we mean when we say the creed and what these things mean. Yep. Luther's best writing was his explanation of the creed, just phenomenal, yep. right? So if you don't know what we're talking about with all this and you don't have one, now's the time. You kind of get like a full line by line explanation of what the creed means. Yep. Right there. And and what Christianity is. And it's very short. It's fantastic. It doesn't take long at all to read it. And you can, it, there's an app on your phone. You can get Luther's yep. Small Catechism, but whatever. Yep. Luther's Small Catechism is fantastic on the Creed. You'll also learn a lot about the Lord's Prayer and other things. But, <laughs> but just definitely, keep reading. I yeah, mean, the whole keep, thing is great. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, so as we move along then, now we've moved the conversation to Jesus. For God so loved the world. We talk about God. We talk about love. We even talk about world a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we say, he gave his only son. So this is really the point of witnessing, is now you've moved the conversation to Jesus. Yeah, what did God actually do? Right. What did he do? Yeah, what is he that action he gave his took? son, and, and what did Jesus do? And like, well, yeah, I know Jesus. He's a good teacher. And you go, well, you know, <laughs> that's actually not what all the Gospels record. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, he did miracles. Even that isn't consistent in all four Gospels. Some yeah. gospels contrary and some miracles. Some don't even mention some of the miracles. Yeah. Right? Like, some oh, mention well, some things he taught. Others mention uh, other things he taught. Some you skip most of it. You get things left out entirely. Yeah, entirely. But all it's, four of them. Talk about his death and resurrection. Yeah. See, that's what the giving of his son really is. It's his death and resurrection for the salvation of the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what John means in 3.16 when he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And this is explicit in the gospel of John itself. As a matter of fact, the verse right before this says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's his crucifixion. 
Yep. Yeah. And it's an explicit reference. Explicit to it. reference to it. And yep. then as we go on through the rest of the gospel, you're going to see this lifted up and crucifixion yeah. four more times. And what happens is that we are now presenting to somebody the gospel truth that the death and resurrection of Jesus is God's action to forgive sins and this, to give eternal life. And this is what, like we've said, this is what that love actually looks like. Yes. We're, we're still further defining it, even within the verse. Yes. I haven't left it yet. <laughs> so, so how do I know that God loves me? Well, Jesus died for you. He gave his son for mm-hmm. you. You're part of that world. Yeah. Once again, that's why it's important that we remember the all-encompassing nature of world is because that includes you and it includes the person you're talking to. Yeah. And you're all part of that. So we're still kind of going through this verse very slowly, right? Yeah. And we don't want to skip the word gave though. Mm. Because now here's the thing is the the gospel side of this is what Jesus has done, but it's also how does what Jesus has done become part of your life? God gave. Yeah, God gives he it. Gives it. There's nothing you do to go get it. Yeah. Salvation is not, well, God's over here, go get him. No, salvation is for God so loves that he gave. gave. And the giving doesn't stop. The giving is, the, is what God did to, to save us, the action of saving us, the death and resurrection of Jesus. But also the, the believings that whoever believes in him, well, guess who gives you, who gives you faith, right? Mm-hmm. The same God that gave his son gives you faith. Okay, I'm going to stop you there because... The way I was raised, that belief is actually something I've got to do. Yeah. That the, that I do, that's where everything we've set up until this point, yeah, that's great. But when it gets to the whoever believes, mm-hmm. okay, well, now that's on me. Right. And I have to I have to believe whether it's... I, I mean, as, as a three-year-old, I didn't exactly know what that meant other than right. I had to pray a prayer, which is what I did when I was three, yeah. um, which is... Me too. That's great. It's a confession of faith yeah. as a three-year-old. So it's I not like the Lord's prayer, though. But that's yeah. a funny thing. I'm not saying I actually didn't have faith, right. but as a three-year-old, okay, what is this? Yeah. But as I got older, I was taught you need to do this. This belief is on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? Is, how does this verse help us work through that? Yeah. So, so it really, it's a great conversation to have where you say, the the God who gives His Son also gives the faith required to receive his son. And this is the thrust of the verse. When you look at the gospel of John, and, and we're going to start now, we're going to start expanding a little bit from the verse to the, mm-hmm. to the gospel, is that the, the people who believe in Jesus are those that God gives faith to in order to believe. Mm. And the person you talk to is probably at this point going to say, well, this is just a circle. Yeah, it does sound circular. And, and the answer is yes, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. So what I am trying to accomplish in, in presenting the good news to you is simply to, to give you something in which to believe. I'm not trying yeah. to convince you to believe it. I'm not trying to ask you to agree with me. I'm actually just presenting the good news. And I don't actually expect you to receive it. This, I think, might be the distinction between confessing the faith and defending or convincing or even an apologetic approach, which can rely more on a a rational, I have to get you to understand it. This is, like you said, I'm just 
confessing something for right. you to believe in. I'm not trying to make you believe in it. See, here's the thing: is American. We're all salesmen in America. Yeah, we all believe that every <laughs> encounter we have is a sales pitch. Yep. I'm trying to convince you that I'm right. I'm trying to convince you the Cardinals are better than the Cubs. I'm trying to convince That's you. That's not going to happen. Well, it's true though. No, so at not. the end of the conversation, I'm successful if you're like, "Yeah, you're right. The Cubs are actually not that good." Right. And I'm unsuccessful. You walk away still rooting for the Cubs, and I think, "Oh, I didn't do a good job. I didn't. I didn't marshal my evidence correctly." Right? You didn't do a good job, Kevin. Right. So we think, <laughs> and and that's kind of true in a lot of things we do. We're trying to convince somebody that my way of seeing things is right in a meeting at work. Mm-hmm. We're trying to convince somebody, whatever, whatever. Our our lives are full of uh, attempts at self justification and or sales pitch. I mean, yeah. however you want to say it, self justification is kind of a negative way to say it. Um, well, but, but yeah. we look at sales. We're basically <laughs> trying to close the deal. Yeah. Well, a lot of people see witnessing in the same way, is that I'm successful if you go, whoa, that's amazing. I'm so glad you told me now I'm a Christian. I want to dedicate my life to Jesus. But we're, or, we're or a failure. Said, wow, I never thought of it that way. Right, Thanks. or something. Something yeah, whatever, positive. Some positive response. And what's happening is we're actually trying to seal the deal. We're trying to close the deal. We're trying to make the sale. We're trying to put another notch in our belt and say, I converted Peter. You know, I went out <laughs> and witnessed today, right. and I converted three people. That's not the goal of witnessing. And I, and I I know people are going to think I'm crazy, but the goal of witnessing is not to convert people. Because if it is, then you've made yourself the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can't do that, so don't yeah. do it. And we, we have talked about that on the podcast before. Whose role is it when we talked about, okay, what should our attitude be as we're talking yeah. to people? That side of the... It's kind of the same conversation in a sense because even with our attitude, we are trying to be the ones who are doing the work. So what you want to do is just keep talking to them about what God has done in Christ. We're not even halfway through the verse yet. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so that everyone who believes might not perish but have eternal life. And a lot of people ask me this question. They say, I don't know how to talk to someone about my faith because they don't really feel like they're sinful anymore. Mm. And this is very true. Yeah. uh, We live in a post-Christian society in which sin doesn't exist. Right. I mean, everybody does think I could, I could decide to live differently than you, but you don't have any right to judge me. Mm. I could, I could decide to do something the Bible calls sinful, but we've moved beyond that. Haven't we? I mean, our society has progressed enough for, yeah, it used to be a sin back in Paul's day of of, obviously, (laughs) or back in Victorian days, but we've moved beyond all that. We're not living in King James or or the very idea that I should think anything negative about myself at all. Or that there's any outside force that can tell me right and wrong. Yeah. Who's who's this God who I don't even know to tell me right and wrong? My goal is self-esteem and feeling good about myself. So a lot of people struggle with witnessing because there's no conviction of sin. And so we're like, yeah, that's all great, but I don't really need Jesus. I'm good. Yeah. But listen to the end of the verse. Might not perish, but have eternal life. This is the one thing we can always talk to people about is, okay, what's your plan for death? And do you know what's really popular right now? Transhumanism. Avoiding it. Yes, because we're trying to find a way to move beyond death. Yeah. So listen to John 3.16, that whoever believes in him might not perish. That's death, by the way. (laughs) But have eternal life. Yeah. This action of God results in eternal life. We do not deny the reality of death, but we know a guy who does resurrections. I think this is important to to sit on for a little bit because, yeah, it, it is hard 
talking to somebody about their sin, mm-hmm. especially when they don't see it as sin right. to begin with. But it is also true that everybody recognizes they will die yeah. one day. And our culture is very much obsessed with death and I was the avoidance of death and putting it off for as long as possible and making sure, if you can, that it never even gets to you. And then even when people die, we just don't call it death. We use euphemisms, right? Well, yeah. they've, they've passed on. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's This isn't weird. really them. They're, this is just the right. shell. They shell. are in a better place. It's their soul sack, which is weird. That one came up the other day. That was, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's weird. That's, that sounds gross. Um, I don't but like that. I was actually, um, an atheist was describing this, and he actually said that... I'm glad you continue that sentence, because you started off by saying, I was actually an, an atheist. atheist. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out how to explain what happened. Um, an atheist was talking about this, and he actually said that he's quite confused by the reality that when people die, they seem to all of a sudden be very at, in touch with who they are as a person. That they can ignore these philosophical questions about who I am or what does it matter in the universe? And then all of a sudden on a deathbed, they're like, huh, I'm really this person. But he's not a Christian, so he couldn't figure, he's like, I can't figure oh, out why they would be so in touch with who they are all of a sudden. Why would they become so self-aware? Right, so self, and that's exactly what he said. Deathbed. Why did all of a sudden they become self-aware? And it's like, because you're dying, dude. <laughs> they know they are facing spiritual things. Everything else is stripped away at that point. Yeah. And it's if you've never had the opportunity to be at a deathbed, it actually is life altering hmm. to be with somebody when they die. It's something you you can never undo. In in your mind and and obviously their mind, but um it's true. When people are dying, they will all of a sudden say things that are totally contrary to what they've said their whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's it's because they are staring death in the faith in the face. <laughs> Yeah, see that? See that's actually, faith, faith. That doesn't necessarily, yeah. it, it kind of works still. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, but this verse helps us actually bring that into the conversation. Yeah. Is that it's not just believing this because it's Christian and it's right, and I'm happy that you believe what same thing I believe. Life and death are at stake. The, the beginning of the verse, the beginning of this conversation you you won't have any you might not have anything in common with this person yeah. but by the time you get to the end you will yeah you will both you'll you'll both be sitting there saying we're both looking death in the face here mm-hmm. or what's how does this affect us so you if you're having a hard time finding common ground throughout the whole conversation here it is you'll get it at the end <laughs> and the other thing that I, I do encourage people to to try as they're trying to have conversations that lead to opportunities to share the gospel mm-hmm is to ask people about their family or friends or what have they been through lately. A lot of times people will say, I'm actually facing this situation and it's really hard. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I'm lost yeah. or I'm confused or boy, this is a real bummer. Or So listen when they talk and not for ways to pounce. That's not the point. Right. But ways to sit, to share and say, yeah, that that is a struggle. That's hard. You know, what do you do to find comfort? Can I explain to you what I do, what, where I find comfort? Can I explain to you how I deal with my grandma's recent death or yeah. my, you know, my children's impending death? Yeah. As none of us want to think about that, but I have kids and someday they're going to die. And what do I do with that? Yeah. You know, so so these are ways, and John 3.16, what we're trying to get in this podcast is that 
when you think about the opportunity to talk to somebody about your faith, you don't have to know like all these obscure references from Zechariah or Ezekiel or something. <laughs> you can just use John three sixteen. We started off asking a question of, I'm afraid I'm not going to have the right answer, but hopefully what we've showed you guys is a way to actually have a conversation with somebody using John three sixteen to guide that conversation where you're not focused on, I must say the right things, yeah. but you're focused on, this is what I believe. I just want to pass it on to this person and share it with them. And the, and the real focus then it just narrows down to the most important thing you believe is that God has done something to save. Mm-hmm. And that doing something is the giving of his son, Jesus. And we really want to drive people to the cross of Christ and yeah. say there, right there is God's love for you. Yep. And that's the crucial conversation. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks.